You're listening to RPI Takes on the World. No, no, no. Take it again. It's got to be bigger than that. This is important, meaningful stuff. But it wasn't important or meaningful. It's just one man giving his opinions on whatever random thoughts enter his mind on that particular day. Ha 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 ha. I'm dying. This is gold. Pure gold. What is up, you guys? Thank you for checking out episode six of the RPI Takes on the World podcast. Probably the most important podcast in the world. Probably so. And since it's that important, I'm going to go ahead and get started with something that's incredibly controversial. It's going to split this country right down the middle. And if you're thinking that I'm talking about wet wipes versus toilet paper, you're absolutely correct. That's topic one. Topic two We're going to talk about Grocery Store Jams, Volume 1. Volume 1, because obviously, after my experience last week, this is going to be an ongoing theme. We're just going to notice this, and we're just going to keep a tally of Grocery Store Jams. And the third topic of today's podcast is going to be, we're going to stay music-related, and I'm going to give my review of the first great summer beer drinking record that just came out last week. All right, let's get started with the controversial topic that no one's talking about and everybody should be talking about. And I can't believe, I mean, I can't believe it's even an issue. So I'm talking about the wet wipes versus toilet paper controversy. And it's actually a non-controversy, I guess. I don't hear people talking about it. And I think that kind of bothers me because I feel like It's one of those things that once you know wet wipes exist, that should pretty much be it for toilet paper. That should pretty much seal the deal, close the door on toilet paper. I mean, I feel like this is essentially Netflix versus Blockbuster for your tushy, right? And somehow Blockbuster's hanging in there tough right now, people. I don't get it. I can't figure it out. I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Now, I've been on the wet wipes tip for quite a while. And a lot of you know, a lot of you know me. I mean, there's only a handful of you guys listening to this, but you know, those of you who didn't, I I made my living for like 20 years playing music. In the first 10 of those, I was in Kansas City, but I was still, I was still driving usually like two or three hours a night to a show and then two or three hours home. So my point in my point being in all that is I was away from my home base a lot, right? And your home base, it's important. It's just important when it comes to like, you know, being comfortable, being clean, all those things. So I don't know how somewhere along the the way I got turned on to the wet wipes and it just changed my life. And it became, it just became common sense, common knowledge to me because it's like, I like being clean, right? Like you like being clean. Like everybody likes being clean. So what exactly is the problem here? I mean, when you're living in a, in a Sprinter van, I'm not bragging, <laughs> but when you're driving, you know, 85,000 miles a year, I, I just, there's no way if I was already subjecting myself to the horror of truck stop restrooms, which I did, I did for the fans. <laughs> I mean, you guys had no idea what I went through. No, I mean, when you're on the road, man, that's just, that's just it. And I don't care. You know, you all think. Like you, you see these guys up on stage and you think it's this glamorous life. I'm here to tell you there's a no shit on the bus rule. So it doesn't matter if you're in a Dodge Caravan or if you're in like a $2 million Prevost bus, okay? You are not shitting on that bus. 
That's just common rules. So that means you're living the truck stop nightmare, right? And if you're living that truck stop nightmare, like I did, you best believe that wet wipes are a necessity. So I've been on the wet wipe tip for, forever. I mean, I, I can't even remember when it wasn't an issue. And this whole thing got triggered because I saw somebody, you know, I, I saw the, oh, do you, do you roll your toilet paper over the roll or under the roll? And I'm like, neither. Neither, you freaks, because I'm a clean human being. I'm not, I'm not rolling, I'm not using dry toilet paper. And so I, I don't know, I mean, this is, and this is the kind of conversations that I have when people invite me over for dinner, right? Because this was forever ago. This was like, I mean, the early 2000s. For you kids out there keeping track, that's like 15 years ago. And I was over at a, we, I was over at a friend's house having dinner, blah, blah, blah. And, and somehow, it got brought up that I use wet wipes. And they all started making fun of me, right? Oh, are you a baby? Are you a baby? I, I, I just I, I sat back. I was like, no, I'm not a baby, you filthy animal. I'm a clean human being. That's what I am. You're calling me a baby for being clean? I, you're making fun of me? For cleanliness, and so this is this is the the picture that I painted for them, and I'm going to paint it for you right now. If you're still hanging on to that blockbuster world, if you're still living that that two ply, four ply dream, whatever it is, the bears in the woods on the Cottonelle commercials and whatnot, how they can even afford to produce those commercials is beyond me. The wet wipes out there, people. It's the answer. It's the answer to all the questions. The wet wipe. Maybe if we get a wet wipe. Everybody in the country will stop wanting to kill each other on social media. Maybe if we, maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's the great equalizer. We thought it might be music bringing people together or art or sports. It turns out it probably, we probably need to just make sure everybody is on wet wipes. And then everybody will just chill the F out, you know. They'll quit being triggered by every little thing that every little person does. But I digress. I'm going to get back to the story that I was telling you that I told Lo these many years ago. So let's just say you're going old school for lunch, right? You're going old school. I mean, I, I personally love to go old school for lunch. And when I say old school for lunch, there's one thing that I'm talking about. That is PB&J. That's peanut butter and jelly. I swear I ate it five days a week as a, as a, as a youth from kindergarten through eighth grade, made with love by Gary Patrick, by my pops, right? Every single day. But let's just say you go old school for lunch. You got the uh, you got your knife there, and, and let's just say there's some kind of a great peanut butter mishap. I I don't know how it happened. Just just suspend disbelief for a minute, okay? Just go with me on this. You're making your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and somehow that peanut butter ends up on your elbow, right, or on your forearm, anywhere on your body. Now, this is the question that I'm asking you: Are you going to go grab yourself a napkin? or a dry paper towel and remove that that peanut butter from your elbow or from your forearm? No, don't, no, don't, stop it. Stop lying. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to me. Stop lying to everybody. You're going to dampen. Notice I didn't say moisten. This is a moist-free zone, even though I just said moist twice, now three times. Look at that. You're going to dampen that, that, that dishcloth, you're going to dampen that napkin. You're going to dampen that paper towel. Why? Because you want to get the peanut butter off of your arm. I, it's so easy. Like, how are you missing this? 
And all you parents out there, you're not cleaning your kid's tush with a dry sock. You got a wet wipe. Why? Because you don't want to have diaper rash for the little guy, the little girl, whatever. I'm fired up about this one. I'm fired up. This is one of those things, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how people are still hanging on to the toilet paper. Why on earth, why is toilet paper even still a thing, you guys? I mean, back in the day, apparently, according to Alberta, that was my grandmother's name, R.I.P., they had the outhouse. They didn't have running water in the Yodashay, Kansas, people. They didn't. They were poor. They ate squirrel. That's how poor they were. They were squirrel-eating, outhouse-having, poor Midwestern oak people. That's my family. That's, those are my people. And they just grab a newspaper or a magazine and go out to the outhouse. Oof. But honestly, like you might as well do that now if you're using toilet paper. You might as well go grab, I mean, I don't know where you'd find a Sears catalog or whatever antiquated crap they use, a phone book, or any of the pieces of direct mail I get that I can throw directly in the trash. Don't even get me started on that one. As a marketing professional that I am, I'm just looking at those thousands of dollars going down the toilet. Let's get back on track. We're talking about wet wipes, okay? Look, and also I have to tell you, I'm not, this is not a, this is not a, uh, this is not a paid sponsorship. You might think, you might think that was my first big sponsor, you know, all 28 of you listening or <laughs> taking those numbers out there, taking them to the streets. You might think that I've got enough people listening that I call the wet wives people and say, Hey, you know what? We're going to start small. We're going to start small. We're going to put those toilet paper companies out of business. It's not even about putting the toilet paper companies out of business either. It's the same companies. I mean, Cottonelle's the king on both of them. Don't even fight me on this. Don't at me. You know? You can reach out to me on social media at RPI Takes, on Twitter and Instagram, but not about this. Not about this. Because I, I just want you to be honest. I want you to look in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth at night. You know what I mean? When you're washing your face when you're doing all the things that make you a clean human being. And I want you to come over to the, to the right side of the tracks on this one. I want, and if you haven't tried it yet, I mean, don't even get me started. I mean, all my gay friends know. <laughs> Let me tell you, I can tell you that right now. All my gay friends, I don't have a ton of gay friends, but I have enough. And every time I'm at their house, is their houses, they got wet wipes in there. Mm-hmm. Wet wipes. Clean it up, people. The city, the tushy, all of it. Your attitude. <laughs> Let's get clean, right? So when I was buying my wet wipes at the grocery store last week, oh, God, I'm a Segway. I am a Segway pro, you guys. I mean, can we just maybe just pause this and observe the greatness of that Segway for one second? I didn't even have it planned. You might think, oh my gosh, he probably has segues just like pinned up all over his, uh, all over his computer there. He's probably got just uh, post-it notes with segues. I don't. I don't. That just came to my head because I was ready to segue into this next, this next topic of conversation, which is grocery store jams. Now, I'm going to go ahead and, and we're going we're to go back on this one. Before I get into the grocery store jams, I'm going to tell you a little story about young Young, young Ryan, before RPI even existed, when he was just a little chunky fella named Ryan, a little, 
insecure, overweight Catholic schoolboy. And I remember vividly. So I, I grew up in Kansas City about a half an hour south of my grade school. I went to a Catholic school and I would, uh, you know, so I would spend a half an hour each way with either my mom or my dad in the car riding to school, to football practice, home from practice, all that, which in hindsight, like when I look back on it, my mom passed away a few, like, gosh, over 10 years ago at this point. Um, it was really great. It was just this, it was just a weird, unique bonding time, right? Especially for me, um, that was the two things that I really grew up loving more than anything were radio and music. And so I, my mom was really into music and that's where I got all of my, my influence. My dad, not so much, but, um, my dad would just, you know, he always had nuggets of wisdom to, uh, to share, but my mom, I remember, and I remember this so vividly and she was, music was so important to her. I remember exactly where I was as a matter of fact. This one ride, and, and there's, it's so funny because I can't, I'll meet somebody and three minutes later, I can't remember their name and I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but I'll remember vividly driving to football practice with my mom and we were, I mean, I remember we were like at 121st and Holmes Road, right? We were just right, we were almost to school and we had already been talking about music. I'm going to get into that in a second, but she said, you know, the crazy thing about music is you'll hear songs now and she's like, when you hear that song in the future, It'll take you back to this exact moment. And I remember her telling me that. And the song that was on the radio was Red, Red Wine by UB40. <laughs> and it's weird. Like, that's totally random, right? But every time that song comes on to this day, I think about little chunky 13-year-old Ryan in his football gear sitting in the front seat of probably like a Lincoln Town car or a Cutlass here, whatever, whatever vehicle I was in, my mom telling me that. But... The other thing my mom said on that road trip, she's like, you're going to know you're old when you turn on the oldies radio station or the classic rock radio station and the songs that you grew up with are playing on those stations. And man, she's right, you know, and I'm not a big radio guy now. I don't listen to a lot of radio these days because I, you know, I unfortunately Spotify exists and just pilfers money from songwriters every day and unfortunately i'm a weak man i'm a weak man and uh i listen to spotify or you know i'm a big obviously i love podcasts and, and all that so i don't listen to a lot of of radio but i will say when i'm at the grocery store they've always got music playing right and two different times in the last week this happened at different grocery stores and what's so funny about it to me is that they were both in, I live in Prairie Village, Kansas, which is it's this super upper middle class neighborhood. And like, I've got this little teeny tiny house that's surrounded by these giant houses. And the reason I'm saying that is because the people at these grocery stores that I'm at, I, I am not in the same uh, tax bracket, not even close, right? And so I'm, I don't know what day it was. It was some random day, like a Tuesday or something. I'm walking through there. I'm walking through, I'm in a price chopper or a high V. I can't remember which one. And out of nowhere on the loudspeaker, the song Low by T-Pain, you know, Boots with the Fur, <laughs> it comes on at this grocery store. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, there is no way that they're playing this song at the grocery store, right? I'm looking around at all the, the upright citizens here <laughs> that are out buying their, you know, gluten-free 
whatever and their their soy based this that and the other thing and their their kale and their superfoods and uh all i'm thinking about when i'm in that grocery store is that video it's just like number one the video itself is just you know straight like just hip-hop it's just I, early 2000s, yeah, something like that. Just straight hip. I'm thinking about this video. I'm looking over here at Nana, who is like buying her Halo Top ice cream because she's watching her weight in her late 60s or 70s or whatever. And I'm thinking, apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur, with the fur. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, this is a stripper song. This is a stripper song, right? It's not quite cherry pie. It's not quite cherry pie by warrant, but it's pretty damn close. Like, it's 100% a stripper song, right? And I'm thinking about just the gyrations in the video. I'm thinking about the apple bottom jeans with the boots and the fr- I'm thinking about all of it. And I'm looking around and I'm like, oh my God, this is the moment. This is what my mom was talking about low those many years ago in our Lincoln Town Car when I was on my way to eighth grade football practice at St. Thomas More. You're going to feel old when you hear these songs. Guess what, mom? This is the same woman. And what's so crazy about it is, like, I grew up and I was, I listened to the most random music. My dad was a country music guy. There used to be an AM station in Kansas City. It was 61 Country. That's what my dad listened to. So I grew up listening to, like, you know, it was Alabama and and all, like, old school country stuff. And then, you know, some of the new, like, I say new, but like the 90s country when you get like, you know, Garth, of course, and uh, Brooks and Dunn and all that stuff. So I was listening to that with my dad. And country had its first huge hit. Like, like I don't say huge hit, but I mean, it ebbs and flows. You know, country gets popular, it fades out. It gets popular, it fades out. And it got really, like Garth and, and like all that, like the early 90s, it was just giant. They used to have these free concerts down at Crown Center in Kansas City on Fridays. And all my high school friends would go down there. And it was a blast. You know, but the other music that I listened to that I really got into was like NWA and Too Short and Easy E and, and Ice T and Ice Cube and all this like legit gangster rap, right? And it was like the first the first like type of music like this that had really come out. I mean, you had Run DMC hit really huge. And of course I had that, you know, I wore that tape out, you know. But then, you know, you got into, it's like, oh my gosh. I remember when I heard like, you know, Sir Mix-a-Lot, like when Swass came out, all these records came out, all these, they were, they were tapes, you know, but, but I would listen to them. And I remember my mom just getting, like, I remember her taking my tapes away from me. Again, this is, this is like middle school. It's like sixth, seventh grade, chunky white kid singing along with NWA. I had no idea what they were talking about. Not even a clue. Not even a clue what they were talking about, you know? And now here I am, I don't know, what, 30 years later? And I'm, I'm walking down the aisle in the most, like, non-strip club grocery store you've ever been in. And on comes low. There's T-Pain right there. Like, I would love to see T-Pain in this grocery store. I, I, that, that's, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted to see T-Pain in this grocery store. And that led me to something else I started thinking about to tie in the whole easy E thing. Because I remember, like I said, my mom, I got in trouble when I was in seventh or eighth grade because I called my sister a bitch. Now she's not a bitch, everybody. 
She's my bestie. My sister and I are super close, but we got in a fight and I just dropped that word. And I mean, my parents heard it and boy, I got in trouble, right? So they came and they, my mom just came. That's it. I'm taking it. She, she took like all of my cassette tapes. So that happened in the late 80s, right? And then fast forward to like 2014 or 15. I can't remember which year it was for the Royals. But it was when the Royals were on their run, one of those two years, and the straight out of Kaufman shirts came out, right? And I see all these nanas, I see all these grandmas wearing this straight out of Kaufman shirt. And all I'm thinking is, straight out of Kaufman, crazy motherfucking dude, you know? That's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, Nana has no idea. She has no idea that she's repping this. And furthermore... Not only does she have no idea, let's go back in time. I would love to have, I mean, and the Boys in the Hood movie was dope. It was great. But I would love to just like go back in time. If I, if I could get in a DeLorean, you know, and go 88 miles an hour and hop back in time, I would go back to that, uh, that, that studio in Compton or, or wherever those guys were and be like, uh, excuse me, fellas. I just want to let you know that in 2015, there's going to be a lot of grandparents wearing t-shirts that are inspired by the music you're making right now. The guys that are like actual gangsters, like the guys that actually, it's not like they're not talking trash to each other. These guys lived it, right? And they, I, I don't, I don't like, I look at when people complain about where we are as a society, I look at, I'm like, man, these grandmas are wearing Easy E's t-shirt right now. I think we've come a long way. I think things are going pretty good, right? So we had that grocery store jam. That was that was the first song. And then I, 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 sh- I shit you not, like three days later, I'm out again. And I hear Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. In the midnight hour, she want more, more. You know, right? He's got the lip of the whole thing, the hair, the sleeveless shirt and all this shit. And again, I'm at the grocery store and I'm like, this is another stripper song. They're just playing stripper songs. At the grocery store with a bunch of nanas walking around here. What if that's my grandma? What if my grandma just started pole dancing down aisle 14? She went down to get some bagels or something. Some English muffins. Oh, yeah. And here comes in the midnight hour. She won Jesus Christ. I am old, you guys. I am so old that the songs that offended my parents are now embraced by grandmothers in Prairie Village, Kansas. That's how you know you're old. You know you're old when the songs that you grew up loving, that your parents hated, that were your parents are horrified by them, and now society, once society accepts the songs that horrified society, that's how you know you're old as shit. It's not a bad thing. I, I, I still, I wouldn't go back in time. I like being this age. I like being an old man. But it is eye-opening. And my mom, Teresa Emming, rest her soul, the seer that she was, she was close. It wasn't quite classic radio or oldies radio, but walking down the grocery store aisle, hearing Boots with the Fur, Rebel Yell, all these songs from my childhood, while I got Nana over here, you know, checking her, her, checking her hearing aid and whatnot, not even phased by it. You should be offended, lady. Do you hear what they're talking about? They're talking about strippers and whatnot. You should be offended by this stuff. They're not offended by it. They're just not offended by it. 
Speaking of music, oh my God, the segues. Ryan, you're killing it. Thank you. I am. I'm absolutely killing the segues. Wanted for murdering segues. This guy. Um, speaking of music. So, you know, I, I lived down in Nashville for six years, something like that. And uh, I was down there for a great period of time. Like I said earlier, you know, country music ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. And it really hit hard. In I moved down there in um, 11 2011 and I feel like 2014 15 it was just a you know when whenever the biggest pop song is a country song that's kind of how you know right and it was Florida Georgia Line when Florida Georgia Line cruise hit it just changed you know for there for a while for like three years that's all people wanted to hear and it, it kind of you know rock radio was in a weird spot so there weren't a lot of there I mean I'm not even talking about like metal bands but I'm talking like the bands that you hear now like um like Coin and Judah and the Lion and bands like that, they were out there, but they weren't like, they weren't mainstream at all, right? It was pretty much all country, which as a guy who was down in Nashville writing country songs and made a living going to college bars and playing fraternity parties all over the the Midwest and the Southeast, that was a great time. It was a lot of fun, right? Um, And I was a big fan. I was always a big fan of Jake Owen. And when his record, uh, it was Days of Gold came out, and that was the one with like Beechin' on it, and and I, I it, it was such a, I don't know, I'm a, I'm just a Jake Owen fan, right? Because I feel like he was the type of artist. There's there are some guys down there that um, you know they kind of flounder around a little bit. Maybe they don't know quite who they are, or it takes them a while to find out who they are. But I feel like he was always one of those guys that was pretty true to himself, as far as you know, he wasn't he wasn't putting on a front. You know, he was a, you know, yeah, he was a country guy. He's from Florida, but he was a surfer dude. He was a golfer. He was, he wasn't like a, you know, he wasn't a, he wasn't a farmer, you know, he wasn't a, he wasn't one of those guys that wasn't a farmer. And more importantly, he didn't pretend to be a farmer when he wasn't. Um, and a lot of that Days of Gold record was written by Jaron Johnson, who was uh, the lead singer of Cadillac 3 and just a, just a, an outstanding writer. And the other thing when you're down there is you just hear you hear who, through the grapevine who the good people, you know, oh man, this guy, and all you heard about when it came to Jaron Johnson was not only, I mean, obviously, not only was he a uh, phenomenal writer, um, but he was also, everybody talked about what a great person he was, which makes it even more enjoyable when you're a fan of their work, right? So um, that record came out. I was always a big fan of the Days of Gold record. And then, you know, Jake just kind of, that was, that was kind of the last record I heard of him for a while. And I moved back to KC, blah, 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 whatever. And then um, last summer, he released the uh, the Jack and Diane. Um, I was Jack, you were Diane single, which I I, I wasn't crazy about, you know. And, and that's, that's something, too, where I kind of wanted to bring up that when people don't like music, right? And, and this was another thing that I saw a ton of back when I was doing music full-time, you know, it's such a subjective thing. And it's so weird when people just think they confuse their opinion with fact, right? And there are so many people out there, you know, that were just so quick to trash anybody that they didn't deem country, right? This isn't even country, it's pop. It's got a drum loop in it. I hate it. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Don't listen to it. What's your problem? Like, I, I the thing that that bothers me, you know, and, and I always used to tell my friends down in Nashville, and I do believe this is true too, because every now and then, you know, I'd do shows at these bars, and I was 
that was low level, dude. I mean, I was playing in college bars, but one thing that I was pretty good at was building a brand for myself, you know? And so I, I had a pretty decent following in these towns. And what that means is you get the people that like you, which is, you know, if you're lucky is a good amount, but then you get the people that hate you too. And every now and then you just get like, you know, on, on Twitter, oh, you suck, you know, whatever. Or in person, they would just tell you that or what. And it, it's, oh, to me, I, I always told my friends in Nashville, like, you're nobody until somebody hates you. And, and I honestly believe that because when people hate you, that means that they found out about you and they weren't like seeking you out. So I always think that's a compliment. Like if people come out and say, oh, I can't stand you. Oh, well, you know what? I don't even know who you are. You don't like, like you, you hate me, bro. I don't even know you. Like, that's awesome. That's awesome that you know who I am enough to hate me. That's pretty cool. And I saw bands get attacked. You know, I saw Old Dominion. Those guys, they took a beating, man. Those guys used to take a beating on Twitter. And they always handled it really well, you know, playfully and stuff like that. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because when I hear a song, if there's a song that I'm not particularly fond of, you know, I might I might text some of my, my buddies like privately and be like, yo, have you heard this piece of hot garbage that came out? You know, I can't believe they released it. But as far as like going online and publicly trashing an artist, a song, whatever. That says so much more about you, bro. Like, if you're the kind of person that would actually get on social media or on the internet, I, I don't even know where else you'd go. I mean, if you were commenting on like a, a blog post or something, I don't know. You know, but if you get on there and just trash somebody, I mean, you have got like, you've got to find something to do with your life, right? Like, I just think it's absolutely insane that people would trash these guys. And, and I say that because the other thing that people don't know is typically most musicians that I was around, especially in Nashville, where you're doing it at that level, where you're literally at the like the pinnacle, like these are the best musicians in the world. New York, LA, great, that's fine. Neither one of them hold a candle to Nashville. That's that's just the truth. Anybody that tells you that is lying. Anybody that argues with argues that fact is lying to you. Nashville is that it is the creme de la creme of musicians, of writers, of producers, all of it. So what people don't see is if an artist like puts out a song, and most of these artists are these writers especially are very self-aware, right? Like they understand where country music is way more than you do, and way more than the people that hate it. And their job is to go write songs. So they're sitting there, and a lot of these guys are writing anywhere between five and 15 songs a week. That's a lot, okay? And of those five to 15, so let's just say they write, let's say they write a, a song a day. Let's say they write 300 songs in the year. Man, a lot of them are gonna not be great. That's just, that's just the fact. And you know who knows that? The guys that are writing these songs. The guys that are writing these songs know that they've gotta write, uh, you know, 200 mediocre to bad songs to get that one that is just everything hits the melody the the lyrics and then having that song find the right artist is a miracle but that's why so when people trash artists songwriters blah 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 i'm like look man you don't even know like this guy like if you write a song that you know is just a c plus right but for some reason, an artist or an artist manager or a label loves it and decides to have their artist cut it and release it. 
guess what, man? You're cashing that check, bro. You are cashing that check because you have put your ass on the line for five, 10 years. You've lived hand to mouth forever to get to that point. So the thing of it is when you're trashing these guys, most of the time they know like, yeah, it probably wasn't my best song. It probably wasn't. I've got a bunch of good songs, but those aren't the ones that were picked, right? It's my job. It's their job to write songs. So when you trash them, like when people trash me, I'd be like, you don't think I know that I suck? Like, <laughs> like tr- you, like I can trash me so much worse than you can trash me. I promise you that. Like, th- so whatever you're saying to me, it's like, yeah, I know. I know I could be, I know I'm not a great guitar. I know I'm, a, I'm not a great singer. I know that. Like, you think I'm not aware of it? And I would say the vast majority of entertainers, performers, musicians, they are, it's not that they're insecure, but they're self-aware enough to know like, yeah, man, especially being in Nashville, you're going to be around that stuff. You're going to be around the best. I mean, if you don't just look around and be like, man, I am amongst greatness, then you're a complete idiot. You're an absolute, you're, you're a self-important douchebag. If you don't look around, even the best even if you're the best, you're still the people that are right behind you are they're they're so close to you, and there's so many of them that you've got to be in awe of it. And so I, I say all that because I wasn't crazy about Jake's uh, the 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 Jack and Diane song that came out last summer. It just wasn't it just wasn't for me. I was like, oh, it's okay, you know, but it wasn't that big of a deal. So his new record, Jake Owen's new record, came out last week, and um, it is. Absolutely, a hundred percent phenomenal. Greetings from Jake, I think is the name of it, and it is just like it's quintessential Jake Owen. It is perfect for this time of year. I mean, I have had this thing on repeat on Spotify, and the songs are just like. And again, like I said, as somebody who, like, uh, the song, I know when you hear a song, you're like, oh my god. It just stops you in your tracks. And that doesn't mean that it's a tearjerker or that it's a sad song. But when you hear a phrase that just, when, when, the, when everything just works, that's like most of the songs on that record. Everything works. And it all plays perfectly to his strengths because they're beer drinking songs, they're weed smoking songs, they're honky tonk songs. They're just, they're well written, they're well performed, they're well produced. And it's just exactly what you need and what you want for summertime. Now, if you don't like country music, I can't help you, right? And even if, you, even if you're not a crazy big country music fan, I'd say give this record a spin anyway. I would find, I think it'd be hard, I think it would be really, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who, if this record was playing and you were at a tailgate party or if you were on a patio or on a deck and you had a Bud Light Lime, bring me the Bud Light Limes, bring them all to me, right? Like you're going to enjoy yourself. So I'm telling you right now, if you haven't already heard that record or downloaded it on Spotify or whatever, wherever you go to listen to music, check out that Greetings by Jake record and just get ready because it is just, it's exactly what you need for summertime. And that being said, the other thing I love about Jake Owen is the fact that I think he's hilarious and he tells great stories. He's also a scratch golfer or close to it, which another thing, you know, I grew up caddying from the time I was 11 years old, so I'm a huge fan of the sport and 
he told a story this week, and you've probably already heard it. I don't know. I brought it up today at a at this uh, association meeting, and it was a bunch of you know middle aged dudes for the most part. They'd all heard it. They'd all seen this. But he tells this story about being out at a being at Jordan Spieth's wedding, and he confronts Phil, Phil Mickelson about the Tiger versus Phil match, and it honestly it was the best thing. I I actually like belly laughed the first time I heard him tell this story. And I'm going to go ahead. I pulled that clip down. It's from Barstool Sports. I'm not sure which podcast it was on, but I'm sure the whole interview is great because Jake's a great storyteller and he's got a million stories because he's been living the dream for God God knows how long, forever. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play that interview, that little story. It's like a minute long. And then I'm going to dip on out of here. You guys, thank you so much. This is the sixth podcast. Um, and I appreciate you listening, man. I'm having a lot of fun. If there's something you want to hear, if you want to reach out to me for any reason, uh, do so on Twitter or Instagram at RPI Takes. RPITakes.com is up. It's just like a splash page right now. I'm hopefully going to have that up this weekend, and then I'll start doing some more stuff with that. But you guys, I totally appreciate it. Please rate, comment, subscribe. If you have friends that have time to kill and are looking for something If they're looking to listen to a middle-aged person just ramble about nothing, then send them this podcast. I'd appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Here's Jake Owen, and I will talk to you soon. I did give Phil Mickelson a lot of shit, though, um, at Jordan Spieth's wedding. Jordan got married in November, and Phil was there, and it was the day after he played Tiger. I had a few cocktails, and uh, (laughs) I saw him across the room, and I was like... I got to go tell this guy what I think. So I walked over oh. to him. I was like, hey, Phil, you owe me fucking twenty nine ninety nine. I was like, for wasting four hours <laughs> oh, of my life man. with the shittiest golf I've ever seen. You guys hyped this whole thing up about this big match. You guys couldn't even make three birdies between the two of you. Holy I'm like, shit. I want my twenty nine ninety nine back and fuck, apologize to me for some shitty golf. <laughs> oh, my God. And he pulls out a wad out of his out of his thing, and he grabs a hundred, like a hundred dollar bill. He's like, uh... He's like, yeah, I won 90,000 of these yesterday. He's oh, like, my go, God. He goes, take 100 and go fuck yourself. <laughs> what? Yeah, right to my this face. This can't be real. I swear. Oh. Thanks for listening to RPI Takes on the World. Please share with your friends. Subscribe, rate, and review. 